WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week, writer Paul Allard joins us to talk about re envisioning G.I. Joe for the modern era, as well as his upcoming SourcePoint press project, Goth, which purports to examine different types of goths through history, from Vissa to Maul. Uh, plus, you'll learn why Paul's dog, Short Round, may be my favorite creator pet to date. Uh, meanwhile, what's going on at WMQComics.com? We are getting ready to celebrate the best comics of 2019. Yes, it is almost time for the WMQ Advent Calendar. From December 1st to 24th, we'll run through some of our favorites, but we cannot do it alone. We want your help. Uh, if you'd like to uh, evangelize, write a piece about your favorite comic of 2019, uh, write to us at WMQgrams at gmail.com. But let's get on with the show. Here are me and Matt and Paul. Uh, so, Paul, we're going to get to your new uh, G.I. Joe series in a minute, but uh, one of the reasons I was uh, excited to book you for the show is uh, I am a big fan of your dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> list, uh, listeners know uh, when I find out a creator has a dog, I, I tend to d- immediately demand to know everything about their pet, but yours is a special case because you have a dachshund. I which do. is something that we have in common. Oh, nice. Uh, and in fact, yours looks a ton like my oldest, Chewy. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, tell me about your little guy. Um, his name is Short Round. Love so it. So if yours is a Chewy as in Chewbacca, and they're both named after uh, Han Solo sidekicks. So yes. that's another thing <laughs> we have in common. Um, yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, I've had him for about two years now. A friend of mine found him uh, as, as a stray. Uh, he was emaciated and wouldn't uh, let anyone touch him. Didn't like to be to be petted. Didn't get along with other dogs at all. And uh, we couldn't find his owner after trying very hard. And so we were pretty sure he was dumped. So I ended up mm-hmm. um, being lucky enough to be the one to take him in. And and I've had him since then. And you know managed to calm him down and get him a little more acclimated to home life and to being a dog. And he's a very sweet boy. Oh, that's great to hear. How how long was the process of of kind of, you know, getting around all that, you know, the the, the neglect that came prior to you? Well, I'll let you know when we're done. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think there's uh, he's 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 a lot better. He's still. Uh, I mean, it's kind of tough to tell like what at this point what's that and what's just normal dachshund behavior. So sure. it's a little it's a little tough to say. It, it, it tends to range. Uh, my yeah. uh, Chewy, my oldest, is is very. Uh, she's ten, uh, uh, very very barky, very very protective, but also so small. Uh, my younger one, which we think might be a mix. Uh, her, her name's Lola. We call her Derp because her tongue tends to stick out a lot, <laughs> and she's cow spotted. But uh, you know, she's very sweet, but she can also be very demanding of love. Like if you are not petting her, and then she wants to be petted. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, and then there was a 24-hour period where she found all the rabbits living under our deck and systematically wiped them out. <laughs> so. per- personalities range. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. Um, but uh, as I mentioned, you've got a, a new G.I. Joe series out now from IDW, and uh, you've done some Joe in the past, but you're definitely building a, a new direction for, for the line here and a new concept for, you know, for our times. Uh, you know, for people who aren't familiar, you know, just what is kind of the general vibe that you're going for with this uh, with this series? Sure, um, it's a it's a pretty big departure. I think we we stay true to the spirit of 
of G.I. Joe while kind of trying to modernize it uh, for our mm-hmm. times. The, the original uh, G.I. Joe back in the 80s was very much um, based in the Cold War, and um, you know a lot of it was built around, around that. And Cold War has been over for quite a while. It's a very different world now um, where we see you know, the rise of totalitarianism around the world, and uh, we see a lot of asymmetrical warfare, and it's just a very different kinds of conflicts than we had back then. And so in the same way that... Um, that the original series was sort of like an allegorical uh, nod to the Cold War. Ours is a more of an allegorical nod to what's happening in the world today. So um, as a result, uh, G.I. Joe is basically in a world where where Cobra has managed to take control of large swaths of the globe rather than being like a terrorist group. They're essentially a world power. And uh, G.I. Joe finds themselves uh, fighting back. And um, rather than being this vast uh, military organization, it's a military organization that's recruiting uh, civilians to be um, <clears throat> excuse me to be like spies and saboteurs and, and strike back against Cobra in any way they they can so yeah it's it sort of um, blends the inspirations of um, like the Office of Strategic Services um, in World War II mm-hmm. while, while also um, dealing with the sort of asymmetrical warfare and the sort of like grinding perpetual war that we that we're experiencing these days where where the enemy is basically fighting to a standstill rather than fighting for victory. Um, you know, in addition to kind of studying the franchise itself, did you did you find yourself looking at like you know military history at all going into this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been an interest of mine for a while. I grew up in a military family, and I, I wrote a um, I wrote a, a war book a few years ago with uh, Paul Tucker, uh, the artist Paul Tucker, called Tet. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's um, I mean, there's a I would say that there's a lot of real world precedents for this book and a lot of um a lot of that going into it's a pretty big mix of influences and the influences are definitely not just, you know, previous G.I. Joe iterations or previous military fiction, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh in in the first issue and and you know, I'm gonna tiptoe around this because I, I you know i'm not here to give the spoiler but you know there's a pretty big thing that happens involving a, a classic joe that makes it clear that you're not reading you know larry hama's real american hero or whatever mm-hmm. you know uh is that something that that particular event uh something you knew you wanted to do from jump or did you have kind of a few options for inciting events in mind um it was pretty early on i mean when we started to develop this idea um of it being more based on civilians and being more of a like a like an espionage book um then i wanted to do something to show that that kind of symbolically show that um that it was going to be a very different book um so i'm kind of tiptoeing around it as well so yeah 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 i, I guess people who are read it i think can see where i'm going with it that you know there's, there's a lot of um symbolic impact to to the thing that happens in issue one absolutely uh, was it was it a struggle getting that particular plot point past uh, Hasbro? Nope, I, n- I never heard a word about it. I mean, I, I mean, like, yeah, it was it was in my my initial outlines, and I think it was yeah, it was actually in the initial pitch uh, for this for this version of it. Um, and I don't think they ever spoke to that directly. So, yeah, I think early on there was maybe a they were surprised that it happened so early on in the issue, but I think that's the only. The only time that it came up. Hmm. Okay. Um, you know what? What was you know for for the people who did read the book? You know what was the fan reaction like after that first issue? Did you have to you know t- kind of take a Twitter break or anything like that? 
<laughs> um, I mean, it's 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 been a pretty mixed reaction. I think most people um, are digging it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it has been a mixed reaction. That and some other some other elements in the in the first issue as well that caused some people a little bit of heartburn. But mm-hmm. um, no, I think I think I think overall people have really been digging it. One of the the characters and the plot points that jumped out at me and that I found really fascinating uh, was Roadblock, who in this version isn't a military man before joining the Joe Resistance, and in that first issue kills his first person, Mm -hmm. and seems like you're kind of building some uh, PTSD plot lines in there. Um, Where did that idea come from? Um... I mean, I wouldn't say that like someone having a negative reaction to killing someone necessarily means it's going to lead to PTSD. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it didn't really come from any place in particular. It was just the fact that that was his his first kill, and I actually think that in my initial um, script, he didn't react that strongly to it. And I think that was actually a Hasbro note um, that they were like, "Hey, you know, if, if this was his first kill, that should this should be a bigger deal for him." Um, so I think I mean I'm I'm kind of trying to trace back. So yeah, I mean it wasn't really, it just seemed logical for these characters and this. It, was, it wasn't like I'm going to make a big statement by having roadblock <laughs> blah blah blah. And you know I mean I understand a lot of people you know, the ro- roadblock has been a thing that like a lot of fans are like this isn't a roadblock that I recognize. And I guess you know my my thought is you know, if the book keeps going, maybe in a couple of years he will be. You know I mean. Um, we didn't. We never saw him in the original G.A. Joe at the beginning of his military career. So, um, or at the beginning of his his life of service, I guess I should say, since he's a civilian. But so you know, um, we're seeing these guys on an on an earlier journey than than we have before. Yeah, and that's kind of the whole point. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if if, if the I guess if the issue is well, you know, this doesn't look like a character I recognize. Well, I mean, that's the whole point. We're we're starting yeah. from scratch. We're doing something fresh. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Now, you're only two issues in, and so, and you seem to be kind of slowly introducing the cast versus, you know, bombing this massive mythos cast Mm -hmm. into the first couple issues. And I personally am not terribly versed in the G.I. Joe universe, but there are two, you know, tentpole characters to the Joe mythos that even I know who we haven't seen a hint of as far as I can tell yet and that's uh, Cobra Commander and Snake Eyes Um, are you kind of building anticipation for those characters or a plot hook or is this a variation on something that Alan Moore said as one of his League of Extraordinary Gentlemen rules where the minute Sherlock Holmes or Dracula appear on page the story becomes about them so don't use them so you're holding those back so they don't hijack the story and people are now just following them. There's definitely an element of that with um, with Snake Eyes. Um, that, you know, he's just such an overwhelming presence in the story that I did want to hold hold back on him. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that you're never going to see Snake Eyes in this book because, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone would believe me even if I did. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, we are going to hold back on him for a while. And even when you do see him, like, you know, don't expect to see him 
a whole lot once you see him for the first time, you know. Uh, and with Cobra Commander, yeah, it's kind of the same thing, but th- that really is just because I wanted to focus on the Joes at first. But um, since the issue four solicitation is already out, and Cobra Commander is on the cover of that issue, so that that tells you when he's showing up, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it, it, there'd be a point where it's almost like you were intentionally not showing him, so he's got to right. pop up eventually. Right, yeah, exactly. I do love my commander. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you were a, f- a few years ago, you did the uh, the GI Joe uh, deviations one shot, where yes. Cobra actually succeeds in taking over the world, and most of Cobra kind of gets into the the bureaucracy and the day to day of running the world, while Cobra Commander still wants to be crazy and just blow shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, lo- I loved that story when it came out, and I loved uh, Corey Lewis's art style on yeah. on, on that issue. You know, especially it was like perfect for the sort of cracked mirror world, which was the the, the point of whole, the whole thing. But uh, you know, I'm I'm curious. You know, personally, how far do you go back with with the Joes? Um, I mean, yeah, I'm familiar with GI Joe from childhood. Um, because you know, I mean, I'm, I was born in 1978, so <laughs> it's kind of hard not to be uh, yeah. with the era that I grew up in. Um, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't really a huge Joe fan when I was a kid, mainly because my older brother was, and so you know, it was kind of that sibling thing where like he it was his thing, you know. Um, but yeah, I really I really started to get into it with the early uh, the early IDW stuff uh, with those. Those those comics from you know Hama and, and Chuck Dixon and uh, Mike Costa mm-hmm. uh, that I really really dug a lot and I actually did a um, I did a four issue arc um, several a couple of years before Deviations which was actually uh, the first comics job I'd ever been hired for and then it ended up kind of sitting on the shelf for several years before coming out uh, in the form of a, a four issue arc so so yeah I, I don't go real far back with it but uh, I go back a while and I have you know I've, I've caught up and I've like reread the entire Hama run or the entire like Marvel era of the Hama run a couple times and the rest of it once and you know so yeah I um yeah I guess that answers your question no yeah definitely <laughs> sometimes uh, I catch myself rambling and just um I think how can I end this and then I just stop talking <laughs> Always the best way. Yes. Um, yeah, you know it's 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 funny when I was when I was a kid, I think GI Joe was my X Men. You know what I mean? It's that yeah. thing with this sort of impossibly large cast, and yet for some <laughs> reason, like you know them all, and right. you know, like I had, uh, you know, like my mom had taped the uh, the, uh, the the GI Joe the movie from like eighty six, eighty seven, whatever year that came out, and it was like one of those things that I just watched uh, over and over again. Right. Yeah, um, we we got to earlier this year. We got to talk to Larry Hama, and you know he mentioned at the time, you know, when he had taken taken over the GI Joe assignment, and when, you know, back when it was at Marvel, it was because nobody else at the company wanted to touch it. You know, uh, licensed properties kind of starting out at that time, and it ended up obviously being one of the things that made his career. You know, when you when you take a project that has a lot of history from the from the cartoons and movies and and even just the com- you know even just the comics because that you know it's been around for thirty plus years. What do you do to kind of keep all that that weight in a box and 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 put it aside so you can do you know what you need to do? Um, that's a good question. Um, I just kind of do it. I mean, I th- I think that I've I've worked on enough you know like like big properties at this point like I've done you know Ninja Turtles I've done some Marvel stuff I'm doing J. Joe now um, that yeah you just learn to sort of push all that aside I mean I, I 
I think I'm lucky in that I've never I've never had the sort of like you know. I've never been the kind of fan who feels like beholden to things, you know. Sure. Um, which is which is good for for my job. So what what I really try to do is I really try to try to stay true to the to the spirit of things while while also doing what's best for the the particular story I'm telling. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, silly question. Sure. Uh, in the '80s, the Joes had a couple real-world celebrity members. You know, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, William <laughs> the Refrigerator Perry, yeah. which uh, I did send away for. Which is to say that I made my mom send away for him. Um, who is a real-world person who would fit in well with your crop of Joes? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, someone mentioned John Cena on Twitter the other day, and I was like, oh. My gosh, yeah, um, <laughs> he'd be great. Um, but yeah, moving away from from wrestlers, um, boy, that's a that's a good question. I would have to. I'm sure that you know, once I am done with this podcast, I'll think of like twelve. But off the top of my head, that's a that's a bit tough. And I mean, <laughs> the idea of ours uh, uh, of what we're doing now is that you know, it is much more like civilian based and people who are coming in and are you know new to this and are sort of you know in some ways stumbling their way through so that kind of opens it up to you know you the listener you would be good no I'm, but, um, <laughs> no, I would probably not. get killed but <laughs> no I would not <laughs> they need an IT guy I could do that <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, they, they had been framed back in the day <laughs> yeah. there you go uh, I'd be land cord I <laughs> Modem. <laughs> uh, there you go. Code name. Unplug it. Plug it back in again. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> My um, I I mentioned you know something about GI Joe that I was working on it that day to to my mom when she called the other day mm-hmm. and uh it turns out the only GI Joe character that she knew was uh Mainframe and I'm like that's wow. kind of that's kind of weird like how do you like how do you know Mainframe and why is he like the only one. And it's because, um, and so again, my older brother was a big fan, and I guess Mainframe was his, um, his like, avatar name on the old BBS uh, system that he and my dad used to be on, like, in the pre-internet days. So I was like, wow. that's cool. Wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> so that, 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 that's the name that's stuck in her brain all these years because of that. So, yeah, it's funny. Anyway, you mentioning, you mentioning IT made me think of that. So, <laughs> so uh Talking about some of your other work, um, not too long ago you did uh, a miniseries for Clue, for IDW, inspired by the board game Clue, yeah. which I absolutely regret having missed and need to track down this <laughs> trade because I'm a big fan of Clue and various adaptations thereof. Um, are you a fan of the classic cult? Or- I guess cult classic is probably the better term. Movie from the '80s. I actually had not seen it when I got that that job, um, which I think is good because they told me that like that they wanted something different than that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they're they're basically like you know, it's not in the movie's continuity A and B. Like you know, we want something that fans of the movie would enjoy, but that also is like able to stand on its own. So. I think I knew enough about the movie and like I'd seen like enough clips of it to sort of get an idea of what the humor was. So I would say the comic is sort of a a compatible humor style without being the same humor style. Yeah, but I actually um 
pretty deep into writing it, uh, I, I I did see the movie for the first time, like when it was late enough that I knew it wouldn't, you know, corrupt me and, you know, unintentionally rub off on me. So, um, and then I was able to go back and like plant a couple of little jokes and references to it uh, in the in the scripts that I'd already done because of that. So that was a lot of fun too. <laughs> so yeah, I, I hadn't I hadn't seen it yet when I got that job. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, I'm always curious to ask people when they're wor- who work on licensed properties. I mean, what was the approvals process like for Clue? Was it you know more rigorous than GI Joe? Less rigorous? Different? in some other way i'd say different um i mean yeah hasbro there's main there's one main point person at hasbro um that that oversees that works with all the idw comics so um so in that way it was pretty familiar um but um yeah i would say it was different there were some things they were a lot more rigorous on there were some things that they were a lot a lot looser on. I think the fact that it was a miniseries helped that, you know, they, there wasn't the same idea that we're, we're putting together something that we're hoping will last for a, for a while. So that gave me a little more freedom to, you know, be a little more eccentric with it. It's a very, it's a very weird book. So I look forward to finding that trait. (laughs) Excellent. Um, I'm curious uh, overall. Uh, you know, what what comics do you remember reading when you first got into the medium? You know, either as a fan or, or you know, just starting out professionally. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I actually started reading comics um, in earnest, like in my late twenties. So it wasn't really something I was into as a kid. Um, so yeah, the first the first comic that I read uh, when I when I got into them then was uh, Astonishing X Men. That was kind of my that was my gateway comic. Um, a coworker at the place I was working at at the time knew that I was a, a Joss Whedon fan. That he knew I was a big fan of Buffy, um, and he had me in our like secret Santa gift exchange thing at work. So he got me a copy of the first Assassin's X Men trade by Whedon and Cassidy. Um, and yeah, that kind of it kind of very quickly snowballed after that. Um, that I started reading a whole bunch of other comics and started reading and writing them at the same time. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Buffy is a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you have a one-shot uh, coming out at the end of this month, uh, Goth, Young yes. Lovers at War, yeah. with uh, Seth Adams. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited about Goth. It's coming out through Comics Experience uh, and uh, Source Point Press. Mm-hmm. And um, this first one-shot is uh, this really emotional, um, fucked up, romantic story about uh, about a, a Visigoth warrior and, and the woman he loves who is much more of a badass than he is. Um, and it's um, it's the first in a series of one-shots we're going to do that are about Goths at different points in history. So the second one is going to be about um, Goths at Inamal in the early 90s. Um, and then, you know, after that, we're going to do a, a Victorian uh, Gothic horror tale. So um, it's kind of, they're all sort of drenched in the same Gothic style in terms of being very heightened emotionally, you know, having the sort of, you know, very, very Rococo style to them. Um, it's, it's a really exciting book. Um, Seth's work in it is so extraordinarily beautiful um and i'm 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 really really pumped up about it so um but yeah i think you need to let your shop know if you want it because um 
it's not going to be like super duper widely available. Uh, so yeah, go go check that out. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I, I yeah we read uh, the first issue. Uh, really dug it, and you know the funny thing is like. You know, reading that issue, it does. It feels like, you know, the 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 start of something. You know, it it it's it's got that great weight to it. But it it's it's clear from what you just said. You know, this is this is going to go all over the map, and, and and you know, it really is more of like sort of a, a, a an anthology of of done in one uh, floppies. What uh, yeah. you know? What what made you? What what about this particular style? You know call to you was it just sort of like oh i had all these ideas for you know different kinds of stories i wanted to tell did you have the theme first like how did this kind of get developed um boy it's been a few years now we've been we've been working on this for a while and also i mentioned seth's work i should also mention uh, josh jensen a colorist who really uh, brought it up to another level as well just just it's a this is an extraordinarily gorgeous book um and I'm, I'm not mentioning the letterer only because the letterer is me so <laughs> i just, just want to just want to say that for people who are listening to this and being like why did you mention the letterer talk about them um but yeah um the question was <laughs> how did it come about yes yeah. i think I, I was i was largely inspired by by seth's um art style that i saw i saw his we're both members of a uh, comics experience uh their mm-hmm. forum boards and I saw his stuff on there and I was really jazzed by it um, and wanted to wanted to do something with him and and this story sort of came together and built up um, against that. I think my first idea was um, the notion of doing like different Visigoth stories, you know, um, like different one shots all set in the same era. But very quickly I thought, you know, no, like if you're like I had this sort of idea that you know if, if you're gonna if you're gonna do goth and go full in on goth you know um i mean that 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 means so much over so many centuries um and yet there really is this sort of unifying attitude to it all to victorian gothic horror to southern gothic tales to you know modern goths to ancient goths um so yeah i really i was really attracted to the idea of that space goth i mean if alien isn't 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 a gothic horror story then what is you know <laughs> Um, no, that's all. Now, is Seth drawing each one of these? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I will say in the in the in the first issue in the in the you know the Visigoth theme one, I, I got real Sinkevich does Conan vibes from the <laughs> art. And that's great. Yeah, if he's if he's going to be kind of morphing that style to fit, you know, everything from Victorian got you know Gothic to teens in a mall, you know. Yeah. I I can't. That's that, that's something I'm, you know, definitely very interested in seeing. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mean, and you know, we're doing we're doing this very, very periodic one shots. You know, because Seth has, Seth has a full time job and he has other projects he's working on as well. So this is kind of our our little side gig. Um, but I mm-hmm. just you know I'm, I'm looking forward to the to the day a few years down the road when we can you know collect all these together in one big. Um, collective edition as well and people can like sit down and just read all these different gothic tales um, on a you know on a stormy evening in their in their castle <laughs> um, how, uh, how did this book uh, you know and how did source source point kind of end up becoming the the home for this book um, yeah we went through comics experience which has a, a publishing partnership with source point press so we were uh, comics experience was who we who we pitched it to Um 
I, th that was our that was our plan from the beginning. I think um, that you know since we're both in in comic experience and we knew they had this really great publishing deal that had really you know favorable terms and that we were both interested in. So from the beginning, Seth and I were like, let's let's put this pitch together and pitch it to comics experience, um, and then go from there. So so yeah, they were our they were our chosen publisher from the very start. Now, uh, do you think eventually, you know, like, like I said, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to be peering with, with regularity, but you know, the mall goths are coming, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, in issue two. Um, I remember seeing mall goths once. Oh, I, I worked at a borders in a mall. Oh and boy. That's where I have... saw them. <laughs> oh, did we ever? <laughs> the, the, the short Hills mall in New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the right income level that you could get Molgoths. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, God. The the in the occult section at the back of the bookstore that was really just you know books about you know Bigfoot and UFOs and one or two you know really brightly colored covered grimoires. Right. That. Yeah. Oh. Oh boy. I'm getting flashbacks that I don't <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> and it was right. It was like that. That like mid to late '90s period when SNL was doing those sketches with like Molly Shannon and Chris Kattan. Uh, oh my god! What the hell? Yes. Um, it, it was a very goth sketch, and then there was like a Kids in the Hall version. Oh yes, with uh, Men Servant Hecubus. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Dream of the '90s is alive. Um, <laughs> is there? So, but uh, is there a more modern version of goth than that? Like, what is, what is, what is goth in 2019? Huh. Um, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's changed over the years. I think the goths mm -hmm. you see now are tend to, like, be a little, a little more brightly colored. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's still the same. It's still the same attitude. Uh, it's still, the, you know, a lot of the same, the same types of music, the same um, sort of... Um, heightened emotions and um love of uh theatricality and um love of just just doing your own thing i think i think really you know there's there's always a sort of countercultural aspect to 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 goths um even when they you know are sacking rome and taking power <laughs> yeah <laughs> It is comforting to know that, like somewhere, some sixteen-year-old is listening to Joy Division for the first time and thinking, "Yes, I will put on more eyeliner." Right. <laughs> there you go. Um, so uh, credit where it's due to uh, Claire Napier, who yeah. arranged this chat and is involved. You know, is is uh, an editor on on Goth. But no, Claire. <laughs> uh, yeah, Claire. Claire is the editor uh, in on on Goth, and she's just done such an extraordinary job. Um, on it and she's just such a such a such a sharp editor just really really incisive really cuts to the to the meat of the story and can identify how to make things stronger and to keep them from going off the rails and um yeah i'm just really really lucky to work with her that's great is this is this your first time working together um i think it's our first time working together on something that's coming out so um okay. <laughs> and or or where she's the credited editor because i've you know i've like run some stuff past her informally in the past um mm -hmm. but yeah yeah that's great uh you know I, at the time like we i i had booked a couple people 
through Claire, she uh, she stri- uh, just in in kind of conversing with her via email, she strikes me as the kind of person who's like a collector of of people in that you know that kind of first of all that is a compliment, uh, you know just. <laughs> making those connections and knowing who is a good fit for what project and, 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 and where and all of that. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, uh, and you're also polybagged in her basement now, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yes. The place I was not going with this. <laughs> uh, I've had a long day. I decided to just run with it. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh man. Uh, but but apart from you know the comics you're writing, you also uh, teach comics, correct? I do, yeah. Through uh, again through comics experience. Mm-hmm. Um, how how long have you been doing that? Uh, I did one class like about four or five years ago with my buddy Rob Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, and but that was really like I think I was kind of like just following Rob's lead in that class, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, about two years ago, I started teaching them again through. Um, on my own and again through comics experience um and i've taught i think i'm on my like my fourth or fifth class that i've taught now um and yeah it's been and i also i also help out um andy schmidt with the intro to writing classes um as well like i work as his ta and offer offer critiques to the students there but yeah i uh i taught an advanced writing class last year i taught a class on um on characters, and I'm teaching a class right now on writing writing for freelance, which has been a lot of fun as well. So yeah, that's been a really great experience. That's great. Uh, what are what are you know in your writing classes? What are some of the materials that you have your students read? Um, I don't really have them read much. I mean, I think most of the people who are coming into the class are already pretty well read in comics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's 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 more focused on 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 them writing things. Um, so yeah, we'll we meet weekly and do the um like a two-hour lecture slash discussion uh the actual class and then they are given a homework assignment and they work on that over the week and critique each other and get feedback from me as well and then you know we do it all again the next week so so in prep for this you know i did some light twitter stalking because it's (laughs) a good way to get a feel for you know, a guest, and I saw a tweet from a couple of days ago where you just saw for the first time Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. <laughs> I did, yeah. Which, which I brought up with another guest a week or two ago, um, and, well, I- I'm curious, as that is my favorite of the Halloweens, by no means the best, but I have right. a soft spot for it. Um, what did you think? <laughs> I liked it a lot. Like I said in that tweet, it was not what I expected at all, because like all, all I knew about it going in was that it was the only one that like didn't have Michael Myers in it. That I was like trying to do the anthology thing. Um, I knew what it was called, Season of the Witch, and I knew the movie poster, which I now I look at it now. I realize it's kids in masks, but if you don't know that, it looks like these sort of like weird like medieval figures like stalking across the plains. So like, for some reason, I thought it was a period piece. Um, and you know, I I was expecting like a coven of witch. I did not think that the 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 titular witch was going to be like uh, an elderly male industrialist. You know, was, I uh, like two minutes into it, I'm like, are those guys robots? <laughs> are there robots in a movie called Season of the Witch? <laughs> and then like you know, 45 minutes later, it's like, yep, those are robots, all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so no, I liked it. It was like you said, like it's not the it's not the best Halloween movie. Um, definitely not the worst either. No. Uh, it was it was definitely just out there doing its own thing, and I really um I really dug it a lot. Yeah. Look, it, it was the 80s. A lot of people were doing a lot of cocaine and, <laughs> right. and making movies while on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Up to and including Stephen King. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do like, though, Matt, and I, I think I mentioned this on Twitter today, I, I do like that we're going two for two shows in a row, talk, bringing up the Halloween <laughs> 3 <laughs> after Halloween. <laughs> Halloween is in my heart. It will continue on for at least another couple of weeks. Because well, you know what? That's good, because that means you haven't put up your Christmas decorations exactly. yet. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. I, I keep, my, my wife and I are having our annual... Uh, house anniversary party at the beginning of November we bought our house six years ago and you know nice. we, we have a, a basically a housewarming party every year oh, cool. and she keeps saying you know we, we have a little planter out in front of the the main door and we put little skulls in it for Halloween and she said we, we need to take this out like no I want to keep them in through the party because it's then still a little bit of Halloween please right, right. <laughs> Because Christmas creep just keeps happening. I mean, they were various TV channels were showing Christmas movies before Halloween. At this point, it's not right. I mean, now that there's a Hallmark Channel, it's pretty much a given that it's going to be year round. But uh, you know, hey, Disney Plus launches tomorrow, so one more reason to not watch the Hallmark Channel. Uh, yeah, so uh, on the whole, you know, it is November. We just got done talking about holidays. Uh, you know, <laughs> how do you feel like you've evolved as a as a as a writer in your career, just as a human being? Uh, you know, over the course of, of twenty nineteen. Um, over the course of twenty nineteen. Yes. Oh, that's a good question. Um. This has been a weird year. Um, this has actually been a pretty tough year. Um, I had some some personal stuff happen near the end of of last year that sort of rippled out through this year. Um, that's I know that's heavier than you're wanting to go, but um, hmm. this has definitely been a year where I've I've sort of stepped back and reevaluated some things. Um, that's kind of show me what's what's important mm-hmm. in life um and i'd say that's definitely reflected in my writing um in that you know especially my my creator owned work like i haven't um had any stuff that i've been working on this year like hit the stands yet but i think that when it does you'll see that i think i'm i've always been someone who's sort of had some pretty personal themes going through my work, but I think I've, I've kind of been doubling and tripling down on that uh, this year even more. So, so yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, looking ahead to, to 2020, uh, you know, obviously, you know, more goth, more GI Joe, uh, you know, uh, in, in general, you know, are you starting to like line up your 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 sort of con schedule for next year? What are some things that you're you're looking forward to? <laughs> um, 
No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What are some things you're looking forward to? No. (laughs) No. Um, No, I haven't lined up my con schedule. um, Because honestly, like, I've kind of had to pull back on cons this year for for financial reasons. So, um, Mm -hmm. no, things are... are, uh, pretty up in the air at this point but I'm just, I'm just looking forward to keeping my head down and trying to keep on getting more work and keep on putting out good books and keep on going that's good uh what do you what are you reading right now uh i have a thing in my brain where anytime anyone asks me that question um <laughs> everything i'm reading instantly disappears um i've really been enjoying criminal but i mean you know who hasn't Honestly, mm-hmm. um, yeah. See, now I'm trying to think back to the comics I look forward to every month, and 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 just the second you ask, I I I completely pull a blank on it. So I've been doing a lot of research um, lately, also. Like I've been reading a ton for of stuff for a particular issue of GI Joe that's coming up. Um, so I've been researching a topic that's pretty pretty heavy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I have no idea what I've been reading. <laughs> I need to start remembering that people always ask this and, like, you know, write down before the podcast. Have, like, you know, written, written in marker on my hand. Here are the books you are reading. Don't forget. Or like like the little notepad that you keep in your back pocket, like uh, Cap in the Winter Soldier, when people recommend him things to uh, yeah me- exactly. media to consume when he's uh, you know adjusting to the modern world. <laughs> right. Thai food and the Trouble Man soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. When uh when you when you do do uh shows or you know you're you're out there talking about you know books and stuff you know what what is what's sort of the one project or or one thing that that people tend to you know ask you about or or you know uh, associate with you you think the turtles Turtles. um yeah i have a great follow-up then (laughs) i've done more i've done more turtle stuff than than anything else in my career i haven't done any turtle stuff for for a while now but um but yeah i think that tends to be what people still relate with me and also my my con banner um at least right now i need to change this because it's again it's been a while since i've worked on the turtle stuff is um is sophie campbell art of um of Raphael punching a velociraptor from the first page of our uh, turtles in time number one issue so um that you know when people walk up to my con table that tends to remind them of my turtles work as well (laughs) seeing that behind me so (laughs) but yeah on the creator owned side uh tet the book again the uh, the vietnam book that i did with paul tucker uh is 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 one that i think people tend to tend to know quite a bit um yeah and um more recently i I did monster mechanica with with chris avenhouse who is also the artist on gi joe and and um so yeah, more recently people have have remarked on that. So, I, you know what? That was that was something I actually forgot to ask about. Uh, you know, working working with Chris is see somebody. You know, when you, uh, you know, were, were offered or took on the the, the GI Joe relaunch assignment, was Chris a person that you sought out? Like, how did you guys end up reconnecting for this uh, for this series after working on Monstro Mechanica? I slammed my fist on the desk and I said, I will only do this book if Chris is the artist. 
Um, I, I said it's a great um, visual, though. I said I think I think Chris would be good for this. Would you please kindly consider him Lord Hasbro? And then I did a, a deep bow. Um, and no, IDW and Hasbro were, were were nice enough to to you know take a look. I know Bobby, the editor at uh, IDW, was already familiar with his work, mm-hmm. um, and so they you know took a look at him for this. And yeah, they they brought him on board, and uh, it's been a fantastic uh, collaboration. I've I've known Chris for years and years and you know we've worked together on different things he actually he did a couple pages um in that four issue gi joe fill-in arc that i mentioned earlier so that was actually like our first thing together was gi joe and now we're doing gi joe again so that's very cool so yeah no chris is just um he's so good at action um he's so good at like just clean crisp storytelling and he's also just so good at character work at facial expressions at body language i mean just just extraordinary. Um, and then Brittany Peer, our colorist, just just comes in and just rocks the joint and just adds adds such an extra level of storytelling and just an extra dimension to it. It's a it's a really fantastic team. I'm really I'm really proud of the work that we're doing. That's awesome. Yeah. As we're as we're as we're wrapping up, Paul, uh, how can people follow you online and your work and everything you're doing if you in fact wish to be followed? I do. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter is the main place where I post things at, at Paul Aller. Um, I'm on face, it's A-L-L-O-R. I'm on Facebook, but I don't really use it very much. Um, I'm on Instagram, but that's just more pictures of my dog. <laughs> I don't really use that much for work stuff. Um, yeah, Twitter is, is, is the main, the main thing that I use to, to keep in touch with folks. Awesome. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. And if we hit $10 in monthly donations, we'll start a new project, either a second podcast about the DC animated features, a deep dive retrospective on James Robinson and Tony Harris's Starman, or a manga for beginners feature. Uh, big thanks to our existing patrons, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust, Charlie Davis from The Young Ones Podcast, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, and Scott Madrinsky from Mojoswork.com. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time. WMQA!